Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Hello, uh, this is Karim, uh, CSO of Link2, still in South by Southwest at the Grid Daily House, having a great time. I'm very, very excited to have with us today. Um, Lisa Carmen Wang, this particular podcast, you have to pay a lot of attention to because we're going to be covering acronyms, WWWBBBB, and also bridging the gap between Web 2.0 to Web 3.0. And the goal is to have 1 million women cross that bridge with, with Lisa. So she is the, an author, a, f- a famed gymnast, Olympic four times USA national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast, turned serial entrepreneur, angel and crypto investor, keynote speaker, executive, executive coach, and upcoming author. We're going to learn a lot. If we don't learn a lot today, <laughs> then you haven't been listening. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Lisa to tell us an exciting story about the bad bitch empire. Lisa, you're on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first off, I'm really excited to be here and I want to explain the definition of a bad bitch. And it is a woman who unapologetically takes charge of her body, her boundaries and her bank account. And I'm currently writing my first book, the bad bitch business Bible with Harper Collins, really about being a bad bitch in business and what it takes to thrive and succeed in especially male dominated industries and becoming a leader that's respected for your unique strengths. And a big part of this is around breaking free of something I call good girl brainwashing. And that is the societal and media messages that tell women you need to be polite and pleasing and obedient and follow the rules and not speak too loudly and sit in the background and prioritize other people before you, which gets you the straight A's, it gets you into the Ivy Leagues, it gets you into the door. But at a certain point, every young woman in her career realizes that she's hitting a ceiling. And in order for you to get to the next level in your career, you need to learn how to assert your voice, demand what you're worth, take up space, and call out things that aren't working, and do that unapologetically. And so I am really now building the Bad Bitch Empire, which helps women build unapologetic self-worth and wealth by leveraging the power of Web3. And there's a lot we can dig into there, but, you know, just to, just to start off, one of the things that we just launched and with our first cohort of women is called the Bad Bitch Bitcoin Bootcamp. It's a four-week intensive where women learn everything from how to safely and securely set up their wallet, how to do their own research and figure out what's noise and hype and what can they really anchor upon. We go NFT shopping together. We grow a diversified portfolio of crypto assets. And this is all part of the mission of 
making Web3 accessible to women who have typically been left out of every major system. And for me, that passion stems from looking at the way our financial system has always been built, which is women have been on the sidelines and it's mostly been a boys club. And so as we look at blockchain and crypto and see the potential of building a completely new digital economic system, as women, we can't afford to sit on the sidelines and watch another boys club get created because we've seen what can happen when we don't have diverse representation at the leadership levels of our economic systems. That's great. That's a great intro into what you're doing today. I'd like to, Lisa, get back a little bit, step back a little bit in time and get to know you a little bit more. I mean, this, what you're doing today is uh, something that is your goal today. Mm -hmm. But being a four-time national champion, Hall of Fame gymnast, that is not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to us about your experiences there and how you then uh, leverage that mindset into the next stage of your life, which I want to talk about, which is um, creating a company, creating a company that you exited and then leveraging that expertise into some of the things that you are doing today in terms of the crypto environment and digital assets. But let's start mm -hmm. there first. Talk to, about, talk to us about your journey as you were growing, as you were growing up and through the achievements that you made. Yeah. Well, I started gymnastics when I was nine years old and it was my first career. It was a decade long career from nine to 19. And the most valuable skill I would say that I learned from gymnastics, and I know this now looking back, is the ability to fall over and over and over again in front of tens, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people and to experience that physical pain, that shame and that humiliation and self-punishment and regardless, get right back up, put a smile on your face and keep performing because you have no other choice. And when you learn to fall so many times and you have to get back up regardless of how you feel physically or emotionally, that gives you a sort of inner resilience and strength that I think a lot of people aren't forced to experience at such a young age. And especially at very early on, I started already getting into becoming junior national champion and getting into regionals and world championships. And it, it was the expectation and pressure of not just my family or my coaches or my team, but the entire country, the entire USA Gymnastics Federation riding on a 15-year-old's shoulders. And to learn how to mentally grapple with that, I think, forced me to grow up really quickly, but also prepared me for the, the ups and downs that happen as an entrepreneur, as an investor, where you develop an inner trust in yourself that says, it doesn't matter how many times I get knocked down, there's going to be, like, I trust myself to get back up again. And that's, that's the type of, I think, confidence that I want to help instill in other people where it's like, at the end of the day, it's you, you are responsible for you. And every one of my coaching clients, every one of my students, I always at the beginning of our sessions, have them take something that I call the radical self-responsibility pledge. 
And that means I commit to taking full responsibility of myself, my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, my outcomes, because I am the author of my own story and I am in control of my own reality. And so we don't blame external circumstances. We look for opportunities, we look for solutions, and then we take action to make that happen. And I think so much of my training as an athlete really helped me develop that mental strength that I carried over to building my business. That's great. I, I heard a term recently that I, I really do like that sort of um, espounds to what you're talking about is designing your life. Mm. Um, so I like that whole idea of designing your life. And when you look back at the societal pressures that you've faced uh, as a young woman um, growing up in this country, how do you, uh, and we see that today, that we, we we're expecting much more women to be participants in the transition between Web 2.0 and Web 3.0. And tell us, Lisa, why... Has that not happened? What do you see around you that's held that back? Well, one of the walls that continuously be built up is just the level of jargon in the space where I think it's unnecessarily complicated. And there's jargon and language can very quickly create an insider, insider's club and an outsider's. And so if you didn't understand what a CryptoPunk was, you didn't understand was a, what a bored ape was. You didn't know who Satoshi was. It was immediately these, these types of words started creating that division. And I think that there's the way society trains men and women generally is that um, even as boys growing up, you're taught to socialize and talk about business and building and money and you exchange and you compete and you play games. And that gives you the sort of higher risk tolerance to jump in. And, and it almost feels familiar as you're bartering, exchanging, creating new language. And as women and girls, we're not socialized to talk about those things. Um, we aren't rewarded the same way that men are rewarded for building wealth. In fact, even today, it's you know, the, the reality is as a powerful woman, the more powerful you become, the more, uh, for example, your dating pool decreases and it's the exact opposite for men. And so at, it, in many ways, women are still punished for getting into industries and being the one woman who talks about wealth and power and money. And so, you know, this is a, a more macro conversation, but I think the same issues that prevented women from getting into Wall Street um, are the same issues that we're seeing again as it comes to crypto and the boys club there. What, what, you've, um, what you've highlighted, which is very interesting, is you mentioned some of the buzzwords and jargon being used. You've talked about crypto punks um, and various other words you used. And to me, as soon as I heard those, I thought, those are all male-oriented jargon words, buzzwords that seem to come from a male, a male's perspective rather than a woman's or a neutral perspective, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is important to pay attention to is how words are used and the nuance of the words and the origination of that. Um, so that's an interesting point that we should be paying attention to, and maybe there's an opportunity for change in that area. Yeah. Um, but your success also is that you've actually created... Uh, a business that you successfully exited um, 
and you were the founder of that business. So tell us about that journey, how you challenged status quo, how you challenged the incumbents, and what was it about the success of that business that empowers you to speak like this? Mm. The first startup that I created, I call it my starter startup, was actually a late night munchies delivery company. And it was at the beginning of the on-demand wave and I had just come out of college and I saw a problem, which was that at 3 or 4am after coming home from a night out, there was too much decision fatigue. You couldn't figure out what to order on Seamless and it didn't come fast enough. So I said, I'm going to build that. And I actually got into a top accelerator and I got funding and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I built a team and the first time I went to Silicon Valley to raise money, I walked into the investor meeting with my 35 year old white male COO and I was the CEO and the investor walks over to him, shakes his hand and brushes me off as the assistant. And it was, in that moment that I realized that for a lot of women, it's not about some of the big egregious stories we hear in the news. It's about the small paper cuts, getting overlooked, undervalued, assumed as inferior. And these things that we deal with on such a small micro level, but they wear down on you and you can't talk about it with anybody because people think you're being dramatic. And, and I think I just felt so lonely on that journey because I didn't have female entrepreneurial friends. This is before the Me Too movement. There weren't really those female communities. And I thought, I need to, I need to find that community of female entrepreneurs who get and can empathize with what I'm going through because I can't be the only one experiencing these things. And that was when She Works was born. And it wasn't meant to be a company. It was out of something that I really needed and a problem that I saw. And it started out as a community. It grew into an events platform. It grew into seven cities where we had directors and just, it showed the level of need that women had for this kind of community. And we were able to bring in top VCs, top angels and shift the psychology with which they interacted with these founders. Cause usually it's a very uneven power dynamic. The founder pitches the investor and um, the investor holds all the power. And we're like, no, in our space, the investor follows our rules. Great. And so that, you know, that brand grew with such a loyal following. And so ultimately when we exited the company and uh, it was acquired by Republic, which is a leading equity crowdfunding platform, um, they really were looking for that loyal base of female entrepreneurs. And I think that was, um, you know, that was where the partnership really formed and made sense for me. But I think uh, to your question of what, what is it that gave me the strength to speak like this? Yes, it was, it's very important. I mean, you mentioned a, a few things already. It was being, the ability to overlook or overcome the paper cuts mm. and focus on the big picture and stand up for yourself, which is so important. Mm. Um, I can tell you a personal story uh, that sort of is reflective of my empathy of the situation is I attended as an angel investor or an investor in startup companies. I actually attended uh, a while ago my first event which was driven by women investors at uh, the Google offices in San Francisco. So it was led, led by women investors. So mm. I thought, okay, it, there'll be a multitude of women and men investors looking at startup companies coming out of 
Latin America. So let me go and see what happens. Mm. Let's just kind of explore these companies. I was the only male in that room. I was so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I felt like a complete fish out of water. I, it was very difficult for me to come to terms and navigate through this. At, at that point, it struck me that probably the 98% of the other events I went to were male dominated mm -hmm. and with a few women attendees. And I was able to empathize with the fact that they must feel not only how I felt, but it's an awful feeling yeah. because people don't recognize you or recognize you for what you may not be. Um, so when you start to put people in situations like this that they're unaware of and uncomfortable and for you to break those boundaries takes effort, mm -hmm. time, commitment, and dedication. And as you build out towards moving a, a million women from web 2.0, to Web 3.0 and challenging the status quo, um, that's an amazing journey that you're undertaking. And, I, and the resilience that you need comes from a little bit from your background. Mm -hmm. But a lot of women in today's world do not have that experience of falling and falling and falling and getting burned uh, as you have. So what kind of advice can you give these people, uh, these other women who want to who more than anyone else want to be part of this whole change in our society and economy today. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that I would add about the piece around developing that inner strength is especially after the acquisition of my company, I had been on this journey for quite some time because the first podcast I ever created was called enoughness. And that was the question of when is it ever enough? We achieve and achieve and achieve. And It never feels like it's enough. The goalpost always keeps moving further and further. And I had achieved a good amount of success early on from being a national champion to Hall of Fame to going to my dream school at Yale University to getting the job on Wall Street to getting Forbes 30 under 30 to starting my company. It was like I, I kept doing all the right things. I was checking off the right boxes and I know how to work hard and succeed and win. But the thing is the external reward of winning or making more money or getting recognition. It wasn't, it wasn't felt internally. I didn't feel more fulfilled as a result of it. In fact, sometimes I felt even less like, Oh, I have to do more now. I have to keep going and I have to get the next, like now more money. And now, and I saw that never ending chase already starting, you know, in my late twenties, I was like, I see the way people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they're still chasing. And I don't want to be that. So I need to figure out what this internal thing is. And so I have spent a significant amount of years over the last five or six years really trying to understand myself and realize where that self-worth comes from and discovering truly this inner self-love and self-acceptance that regardless of it has nothing to do with being at the cool party or the cool show or the, you know, making more money. It's about being able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a bad bitch and I 
am so proud of myself. I own this. I've got my body. I love taking care of myself. I'm just like, I'm proud of all my little wins. And I think very few people have done that inner work to be able to look in the mirror every morning and say, I love myself. I don't need anybody else to say that to me because I love myself and that's enough. And it's that, you know, regardless of what industry and regardless of your level of wealth or success that I think everyone really needs to work on and women in particular, because of the way society has trained us versus men, where society tells women, you are not enough in your being. You're not pretty enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not smart enough. And so a woman who doesn't feel like she's enough physically shrinks. Her body language gets smaller. Her voice gets softer. And men are not told you are not enough. They're told you don't have enough. You don't have enough money, cars, women, apartments. And so a man who doesn't feel like he's enough does the opposite. He physically expands, bigger ego, more money, more cars, more women. And the unfortunate thing is that the business world rewards his insecure behavior and it punishes the woman's insecure behavior. And so I think just understanding as women that it's not your fault completely that you feel this way or you feel insecure, but you don't need to be a victim of that brainwashing or those messages because you can start to look at yourself in the mirror and see your perceived disadvantages. You know, for it was for me, I'm, I'm petite, I'm young, I'm, uh, Asian, I'm female, like whatever I could make up about myself, but, or I could switch that and say, actually, these are my advantages because if people are going to underestimate me, I can observe the way they speak to me. And if they speak to me disrespectfully, they're already out and that's their loss because I know that I bring the opportunity to the table. And so a lot of it is just that mental switch of, do you have your anchor in your own self-worth. Because if you have that, there is absolutely nothing that anyone can take away from you. I love that. I, I, I really appreciate the clarity of that. I appreciate the clarity of that so much. It's unbelievable. Men are expanding and they're expanding their ego, uh, uh, perhaps even their size, the number of cars and the number of women in their lives because of what you just said. It's like, so this is an amazing insight. You've turned this whole thing around a little bit. Uh, and uh, very appreciative of that. But okay, so let's now talk <laughs> about the practical steps of the of the of the movement that you're creating. One million women. What are the practical steps that we have to pay attention to? Now, you might have gathered from the voice in my picture that I am male, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also asking all of us to pay attention, to be respectful. And to accommodate, not accommodate, to foster um, this next step to help, to assist, to be part of Mm -hmm. the transition of education for one million people. How are we doing that? How are you going to start that? Have you started with it? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing? And how do we overcome those challenges? Yeah, well, it goes to the three pillars that... Comp that comprise the bad bitch empire, and that's around education, media, and wealth creation. So first, there is a critical education piece. Our school system doesn't really teach us basic financial education, basic investing. Um, these are things that you're not you're not taught, and as women, we're not often socialized with. 
So even that abundant money mindset we teach, it's, you know, it's, it's not just saving. You have to, you have to actually learn how to invest. You have to make your money work for you. Otherwise you're losing money. So there's that basic financial education the, and, and in this case, crypto investment education, which we provide through the Bad Bitch Bitcoin Bootcamp. And then the media side is around changing the narrative, highlighting more female role models who have broken barriers, who are unapologetically building their empires, how they've broken through um, various challenges in their career. And I think really as men also listening to those stories, because I often see when I, uh, you know, when I, when I ask men their favorite business books, favorite authors, I see their bookshelves, it's all male authors. So it's interesting because men read men's voices, women read men and women's voices. And so very rarely do men actually take the time, I think, to, to listen to the female experience of the world. And I think that's what a lot of women are just, they just want to be heard. And, and creating that space where as a man, you're not telling us what to do, automatically trying to fix the problem, you know, throwing money at the problem. It's, it's like just, we just want to be heard and for you to understand what it's like, you know, to, to walk into a room where it's 99% men and you, even though you have more seniority than a lot of them in there, you know, it's like, what does that feel like? Um, And then I think the third part is actually wealth creation. So we're teaching women how to invest, how to make your money work for you, but actually getting women onto cap tables because really the big money in tech and web three is going to be the same way in web two, like those investors in Google, right? The investors in Amazon, the big tech players, anyone who was part of Uber or any of those companies, you didn't get on that cap table if you weren't part of the insiders club. And there's no question that the majority of those investors on the cap table were men. And so it's men make other men richer. And so I think there's a responsibility to say, we want to allocate a part of our cap table for women. We want to allocate uh, a certain number of board seats for women. We want to make sure that women are in places where they can build wealth and make decisions and to proactively do that. And I think with that sort of awareness and space creation for women to even exist at the same level or at the same table is what we really need to get to as a society. And that is the work of both men and women, not just women fighting for ourselves. So, uh, uh, Lisa, um, I'm very, very encouraged because what what you've just said is important for us at Link2 as we look at what you know what we do is we um invest in pre-ipo unicorn companies and what we've noticed is that mostly a lot of our members are male and so after this conversation i'm going to make a push for our company to create an environment where women get the opportunity preferentially into investing in these pre-ipo unicorn companies so that they can generate wealth and they can learn and what I'd like to be able to do is call on you at some point to join our Link to Learn series about educating women and about moving these one million people towards that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm committing to you today uh, with the backing of my company that we will, for a number of months, commit a series of events that are f- solely focused 
on women and women speaking and women creation and women empowerment, which is, I think, so important. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity <laughs> and, and excitement about doing this and supporting this, this endeavor and, and bringing out in me some of the challenges I saw in my journey, even as, as a man in this environment, which is very, very difficult. And I can only imagine how much more difficult it is for, for women to do this. So I, I appreciate that and applaud that. Yeah, um, well, I appreciate we, that commitment and just taking action right away because that's no, what we need. I'm totally committed. Uh, so uh, who, who, my management team who's listening to this, <laughs> um, I'm committing at South by South, Southwest to Lisa that we will do this, right? You're hearing this. <laughs> this is live <laughs> and social, so pay attention. Um, before we do end, Lisa, is there, I mean, there's so many different threads that we can go down, and I, I'm so excited about this, but keeping podcasts interesting and, and, and short is what we do at this point. Is there something that you want to leave with your listeners today that they should think through, take away, and the message that can sink that can stay with them uh, before we bring you back uh, for a link to learn. So much life wisdom. <laughs> uh, let me think what would be something most impactful for people. Well, pay attention to your book. Well, Look out for the yes, book. yes. I will. I will promote myself for a second. You know, the bad bitch empire podcast is coming out. So definitely listen for that. The Bad Bitch Business Bible will come out in 2023. And outside of that, I think the this going back to the thread of really designing and creating your own life, I think that the big breakthrough for me was realizing that I am the author of my own story. And everyone's walking around with their own belief in reality, their own subjective reality of how the world works and realizing that how people react to you is very rarely has anything to do with you. It's about their own internal state. And so even as I have built a bold brand, a bold unapologetic brand, where when I posted the bad bitch Bitcoin bootcamp on LinkedIn. I was censored and I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to post it back up again. And this time I won't use the word bitch, but I will use a photo with the bad bitch Bitcoin bootcamp. And it stayed up there, but it's really getting clear on who it is that you serve and being unapologetic about your mission and clear about your mission and not being afraid of the rejection or the hate or whatever it is that people will throw out your way because there will be people who will disagree with you. But I think if you want to be a pioneer, if you want to be a leader, if you want to create change, you have to have that, again, that self-worth and belief in yourself that your mission matters. And then all those other voices and those naysayers, they kind of just fall to the wayside. And you, instead of focusing on the negativity, you focus on the people whose lives you're changing. And so I think it's just, I wish everyone courage and bravery and boldness as they discover their own mission and what it is that they want to dedicate their life to, because that's, that's your story and it's your reality and you should do what you think is right. Wonderful, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. I'm going to spell this. Lisa Carmen Wang. Pay attention to that 
to that name. Design your life. Design your life. Um, be the author of your happiness. Be motivated. Pay attention. Make a difference. Link to is committing to join in helping that one, those one million people make the jump and be happy with their choices. Mm-hmm. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to see you sooner and much, much sooner than we anticipate. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Connect with your potential customers wherever they are. Effective uses Comcast viewership data insights to combine advanced targeting capabilities with premium TV and streaming content so you can deliver the best ad experiences to your audience no matter how they watch. Visit EFFECTV.com.